Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, everyone. Um, I have a favor to ask. So Science Friday is actually a nonprofit, which means that we depend on donations to make things. That's how we get to make stuff like science fiction. So if you can, please make a donation to Science Friday. You can do that at sciencefriday.com slash diction donate. That's sciencefriday.com slash diction donate. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Okay, here's the episode. Just heard your show for the first time. Uh, it mentioned the words syzygy and serendipity. Thought it was a great show, but um, there was something about it. It was like nails on a chalkboard. The host's voice, um, I can only describe it as it sounds like a cross between uh, vocal fry and a hint of Valley Girl. It's just annoying. It, it sounds like an affectation. Um, I hope she doesn't really naturally speak like that or hasn't conditioned herself to speak like that. But something I've noticed that women of a certain age group um, do, and it's just annoying as all hell. Oh, hello. That would be me you're talking about. Johanna Mayer, host of Science Diction. And this is actually how I naturally speak. Though today, I do have a little bit of a head cold, but really, I am not putting this on. My voice actually... So if you oh, could just... There's more. You know, have her speak like a normal human being and stop it with the vocal fry, that would be great. Uh, I'd be a lot more likely to listen to the show. Ah, yes. Vocal fry. It's when my voice goes from smooth jazz to, say, an antique wooden gate swaying in the breeze. Like this... And this caller isn't the first to point out that my voice does this. In fact, the day that this show launched, I woke up in the morning, double-checked that our first ever episode had published, and saw an email complaining about my vocal fry. And I was honestly so proud of it. Because this is a thing that any woman who talks on the radio gets all the time. Listeners saying that we sound grating, childish, or just unlistenable. They let us know by email, by phone. They write one-star reviews to warn off others. So getting that email honestly felt like a rite of passage. But this intense, shall we say, interest in vocal fry, it's a relatively new thing. If you look at news stories before 2011, pretty much nobody was talking about it. And then in roughly December of that year, it was like a light just switched on. So what happened? Well, to that very first email, to our dissatisfied caller, to all those one-star reviews, this one's for you. From Science Friday, this is Science Diction. I'm Johanna Mayer, and this is my normal speaking voice. Today, we're talking about vocal fry. What is it? Why do I use it? What's my problem? And is it really that bad? Before the last decade, vocal fry lived a relatively quiet existence. It was known to linguists, speech and language specialists, maybe the occasional vocal coach, but it really didn't get much public attention. I mean, it was around. The Kardashians were a few seasons deep, 
Britney was post-circus. Kesha had just done her Get Sleazy Worldwide tour. But then, in 2011, a study came out. A team of linguists at Long Island University looked at 34 college students, all of them women, and found that about two-thirds of them used vocal fry. And I don't know exactly what it was about this study, because it wasn't like there hadn't been studies on vocal fry before. Maybe it was just timing, that it was giving a name to this thing that people had suddenly started noticing. But something about this study struck a chord. It's something called vocal fry that is creeping into the speech patterns of young women. NBC's chief medical editor, Dr. Nancy Snyderman, is here to explain. Explain away, because I've never heard of this. Well, it's a new term, Matt, and a lot of people, I think, probably haven't heard about it. But you At the time of this Today Show episode, vocal fry was still a pretty obscure term, but that was about to change. Have you ever looked at a FedEx truck and noticed how the blank spaces between the E and the X make a little arrow? After I noticed that for the first time, I could not unsee it. That's what this newfound fascination with vocal fry was like. It had existed in plain sight for years, and people just hadn't really noticed it. But once they did, they realized they hated it. When young women are using this combination of vocal fry, uptalk, and indeterminacy, they just don't get respect. But it's not their fault. You mean like fault. grown women, grown women grown that talk that Grown women, and yeah. it's they're victimized. They have fallen prey to something. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. I mean, it's really annoying. It's so it's talking really high, and then it's also the affectation, which is the fry and up talking. The general consensus was that vocal fry was a trendy thing that young women were basically just trying to sound like Britney Spears and Kesha. And that, yeah, this was specifically a woman's problem. Is there anything equivalent in men? No. Though the study did not even look at men. And yes, men do it too. More on that later. Over the next few years, there were more news stories, think pieces, even an academic paper that basically agreed that vocal fry was annoying. The real question was what to do about it. I mean, if young women are going around sounding annoying, that'll hurt our job prospects, right? We needed help. And then, in 2015, there was an episode of Fresh Air. Let's get to the glottal fry, also known as the vocal fry, demonstrated for us. It's when you're kind of down here. Typically, it occurs at the end of a sentence, when you're finishing what you're saying. Terry Gross is interviewing Susan Sankin, a speech and language pathologist, and they're talking about all the different issues she helps her clients address. The pathologist is clearly not a fan of the fry and how it makes women sound, but she actually takes it a step further. What they don't realize is how harmful it could be to your vocal cords. You're really fatiguing and straining them. You're putting them in an unusual position. And it'll be interesting to see in the near future how many of these women end up in ENT offices with vocal pathology. So vocal fry, not just annoying, not just sabotaging your career, it's actually doing you physical harm. And that's when the linguists all got involved. Lisa Davidson is the chair of the linguistics department at NYU. And in fact, that's when I joined Twitter because I wrote a letter <laughs> t- 
of fresh air at the time. And that's, yeah, that's when I decided it was probably a smart time for me to join social media. In her letter, Lisa argues that vocal fry is actually not a problem at all. And that this pathologist and other people who hate it, they're just intolerant of how young women speak. And actually pretty ill-informed about the basics of fry. So let's clarify that. What is it? Like, what's happening in my throat when I use vocal fry, also known as creaky voice? The vocal folds are vibrating much more slowly. They're vibrating more irregularly and somewhat more loosely. Sometimes this just happens when you're running out of air. So a lot of times where we find creaky voice, especially in a language like English, is at the end of a sentence. People are used to hearing fry at the end of a sentence. Lisa studied this, and it seems like when fry is at the end of a sentence, people are less likely to notice it. Now, as to the allegation that it's damaging the vocal cords, well, it's pretty interesting, considering all the languages that actually use vocal fry. In many Southeast Asian languages and indigenous languages in Central America, vocal fry isn't a bug. It's a feature. In some languages, just adding a tiny bit of fry changes the actual meaning of a word. Or languages like Cantonese, where the pitch of a word changes its meaning, vocal fry can help speakers reach those lower tones. And it can help listeners understand which tone is being used, just makes it a little more distinctive. But what about in English? Vocal fry was around long before the Kardashians and Kesha. And when linguists first described it in English, it wasn't about women at all. It was about men. In fact, according to a linguist in the 60s, it was something that upper-class British men did, presumably to convey their superior social standing. And judging solely by this one clip of Benedict Cumberbatch, this is still very much a thing. I know you're an army doctor and you've been invalided home from Afghanistan. I know you've got a brother who's worried about you, but you won't go to him for help because you didn't prove of him, possibly because he's an alcoholic, more likely because he recently walked out on his wife. And I know that your therapist thinks you're limp psychosomatic, quite correctly, I'm afraid. I mean, that was basically one long, confident croak. And in the UK, historically at least, it seems vocal fry wasn't happening nearly as much in women. In the 80s, one survey found that it was as much as 10 times more common in men. And again, specifically upper class types. And yet, note the curious lack of public outrage or fretting over whether Benedict Cumberbatch could secure any more acting work, afflicted as he is with the voice of a fancy frog. In the U.S., there's evidence that young women use vocal fry more than men, at least among college students in the small studies that have been done. And as we know, people are very much complaining about it. So maybe it's how North American women are using fry that's getting people worked up. In English, vocal fry obviously doesn't change the actual meaning of a word the way it can in other languages. But it might convey other meanings subtler ones. There's some research on this, and none of it is conclusive. Some studies suggest that women use vocal fry when talking about emotional topics. Others say it's a thing we do when we're bored, or even when we're trying to project authority. So why do people hate it? Maybe they hate when women sound emotional, bored, or authoritative. 
That's one theory. But here's a simpler one. Sexism. When we criticize the way someone's voice sounds, not what they're actually saying, it's because on some level, we just don't like who they are, their age, their class, their race, their gender. To me, criticizing vocal fry just feels like making fun of someone's accent, like a cheap shot. When we say, I can't tolerate the sound of her vocal fry, it sounds to me like what we're really saying is, I can't tolerate the sound of a young woman talking on the radio. But you might want to get used to it, because how women talk, it tends to catch on. Many years of sociolinguistic research has shown that just about every change that you see in language is found first in women, right? Often young women. This is widely accepted among linguists and sociologists. When it comes to speech and language, young women tend to be ahead of the curve. And that's been true for centuries. In the early 2000s, two linguists looked at thousands of letters from the early modern period and found that women were way more likely than men to mix things up with new linguistic forms. Like dropping the ye. Women started using you earlier than men. And half? Women switched to the modern has earlier too. If there's one rule of language, it's that it changes. And if there's another rule of language, it's that some people get very annoyed when it does. See, all the people who apparently do not like my voice. So, what to do? Do I get a voice coach? Do we hire Benedict Cumberbatch to croak on my behalf? Do listeners who don't like my voice just turn it off? I'd like to propose another solution. Look inward. Why is it that a simple creak in my voice sounds immature, stupid, grating, or like, quote, a spoiled teen? Why is how I say it more important than what I say? And if your answer is, well, look, I like women and I don't want to find this annoying, but I just truly, genuinely do, I'd like to prescribe this solution. Exposure. Because there's nothing inherently wrong or annoying about Fry. If there was, much of Denmark would have to collectively turn off their ears. Yes, creaky voice is a feature of Danish. Like most things in life, we get used to them with exposure. And the good news is, the dreaded Fry is actually already incredibly common. It's happening in places you might not even be picking up. Our producer, Kevin McLean, even noticed it in this voicemail, of all places. So if you could just, you know, have her speak like a normal human being and stop it with the vocal fry. You hear that? So if you could just, you know. Vocal fry is truly everywhere. So if you're looking to solve this problem, here's my offer. Listen to this podcast. Listen to it a lot. In the car, in the bath, at work, before bed, when you're thinking about watching TV but there's nothing good to watch, when you're at dinner with your family, when you're all alone. Start with one minute and work up to at least five hours a day. Have a listen. Because in time, I think you'll start to hear me a bit differently. And you might even like what I have to say. This episode was produced by me, Johanna Mayer. And me, Kevin McLean. 
Our editor and senior producer is me, Ella Fetter. All the music in this episode was composed by me, Daniel Peterschmidt. They also sound designed and mastered the episode. Special thanks to Christina Esposito and Samir Adola Khan for lots of helpful background information on Vocal Fry. Nadia Ortelt is our chief content officer. And when she gets stressed out, she heads to the roof of our office building and does some therapeutic yodeling. And then the neighboring business execs start yodeling back at her from their own rooftops. And like, it's getting pretty loud in the financial district and kind of distracting. And that's when the linguists all got involved. See you in a couple weeks.